Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So when I mentioned earlier this week that I thought Thursday's show might be a little bit different than the other ones with a tiny bit more of a look-ahead angle, I forgot that Wednesday was a super mega ultra jumbo size slate of 12 games. So we have a ton of recapping to do on today's show. And, of course, the Wednesday or rather the Thursday, I should say, and Friday streaming planner. You might remember from yesterday's show, the Thursday part of that is going to be a relatively brief discussion. And then Friday, yeah, that's a little bit that's a little bit chunkier. But let's dive straight on in. First of all, hello, everybody. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks so much for tuning in here on Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I can be found on Twitter at Dan Vespers. Easy enough, I think. Or just... Throw in a Google search for Dan from Hoopball. I know what you're saying. Isn't your website Sports Ethos? And you'd be right. It is. But it's easier to find me by searching Dan from Hoopball still. Hasn't the search engine optimizers haven't really switched over to the new guy. But we don't have time for this nonsense on today's show. We have too many games to go over, so let's just start pouring through. Chicago beat Detroit on the road 114-108. Many of us, myself included, thought Marvin Bagley was in line for a much bigger ball game. He ended up kind of salvaging things a little bit. Still a pretty bad line. 10-6 and six with a three-pointer and an assist. Uh, at least he shot four for eight from the field, so he didn't really do any damage to your, your situation there. Awful, awful start to this game. He had two rebounds and a turnover midway through the second quarter, and then I think he had one out of two free throws, so things just got uglier and uglier. And then the second half was better. He had himself some foul issues in the first half. I think he played 11 first half minutes and 16 second half, if I'm remembering right. As I was watching this thing, it's all in the back of my brain somewhere. Here's the thing. This was still the right play. If he's not in foul trouble, he plays 32 minutes, it would seem. And if he's kind of on his game a little bit, he has a bigger night. This was just kind of a slow game with a lot of turnovers. And a lot of free throws on the Chicago side. It didn't, it just didn't have a whole lot of flow to it. Detroit was actually leading this game for a long while. Then the Bulls came back and beat him. Hamadou Diallo injured, hurt his finger in this ball game. Rodney Magruder was actually playing minutes. He pulled a hammy. I don't know that that's going to impact things all that much. It's just sort of more for the guys we figured would be doing plenty as it was. So Cade will do more. Kelly Olynyk actually did a little bit more, but unfortunately, 20 minutes isn't enough for him. Jeremy Grant, he'll be asked to do a little bit more. Sadiq Bey, and then Bagley. He's the starting center on an NBA team right now. You've got to roll with that, even if it didn't work out on the first try. Yes, 
it would have been simpler for us to say, okay, great, we streamed Marvin Bagley at work, let's just keep doing it. This is the harder thing to do, but this is why full season fantasy is what we focus on on this show, because there's there's an element of just doing, you know, it, it's, it's the do something 10,000 times situation. We are long gaming here, even in the short term, and I know you, like, in the playoffs, so you want these big games immediately. If you're doing the right thing, just accept that the results will come. Jason Tatum had a monster game at Charlotte. A lot of teams have, or a lot of players, I should say, have monster games when they play the Hornets because they don't defend many folks. But thanks to this big one, Tatum now is up to number 17 on a per-game basis. And by totals, he's number 6. So he's now beating his ADP on that front. Pretty cool. Excellent durability. He's proven himself to be a first-rounder after a slow start. And that's great. Time Lord was in foul trouble, still had a good ball game anyway. 11-11, a steal, and two blocks on 5 out of 7 shooting. Made his free throw, but really didn't get to play much. That was a huge disappointment, because this could have been a game to really rack up the numbers. And actually, in an odd twist, that led to more playing time for Grant Williams and for Derek White. Celtics kind of went small in this one against Charlotte, which you can do because Mason Plumlee's not an offensive threat. You're just focused on keeping him off the glass, which they didn't really do. But he's not going to beat you in front of the rim. And then the Celtics defensively are just very good. So that got it done. The Derek White thing is cool. He's been kind of bad lately, though. Like, I'd love to say that everything has been fine in Boston. It hasn't. I think I probably need to see this one more time to really believe, okay, they're going to go back to giving White close to 30 minutes off the bench. I need to see it first. Montrez Harrell continues to see his minutes trend the wrong direction for Charlotte. He had this big burst of energy when he got there, and now he's he's sort of fallen off the map a bit. P.J. Washington's been the big beneficiary with Gordon Hayward out lately, so just keep rolling with P.J. I know Plumlee had a bigger ball game here. I, I don't... It's, the fantasy game is lacking there, so don't do that. And then I think with Montrez, you can probably move on. And LaMelo Ball's had some bad games lately. You're not going to do anything with it, but... That's been the case. Devin Booker came back for Phoenix. We were curious what that might mean for campaign. He did roll an ankle in this game, but ended up playing through whatever it was. And let's just hope there's not much in the way of swelling. He's a hold, even if there is. Typically, if a guy can finish the game on the rolled ankle, the swell up will probably only cost him one or two games. Now, if you're in your playoffs and we find out he's going to have to miss a game or two, you probably have to move on at that point. If you're not, if you have any opportunity at all to keep him, you should, because he's been great. He double-doubled again here with three three-pointers, a steal and a block. Missed some shots. Yeah, the field goal percent was worse than uh, previously. But the fact that he was able to just slot in as the point guard alongside Devin Booker and still get those nice assist numbers and still get 13 shots, usage is pretty good for Cam. Nothing not to like is basically what I'm saying there. A lot to like with campaign other than the rolled ankle. Jay Crowder, two bad shooting games in a row, but dude took 16 shots. I have nothing but affection for Jay Crowder. He's been fantastic since the All-Star break. Basically, since CP3 went down, he's increased his role dramatically. You just kind of knew the field goal percent was going to level off a bit. But the steals have been there. He's taken a lot of threes. The rebounds have been there. Stick with it. If somebody punts on him after a couple of bad ball games, pounce. Pounce fast. Jimmy Butler missed this one with a sinus infection. Ugh. It's always something with that dude. Love me some Jimmy Butler in Gamescap Roto formats, but man, is he a headache. 
Man, is he a headache. Oh, Lakers. Oh, Lakers. What have you done? I mean, really, what have you done? LeBron was bad in this game. 23 points on 26 shots. That's one of his least efficient games in probably years. Five turnovers, missed his free throws. Russ was actually pretty good in this game. He was only a minus two. LeBron had the worst plus minus on the Lakers in this ballgame. He was a minus 17. I know. He And, I mean, I think it's he's playing through a sore knee. They probably should have just rested him. They might have won this game without LeBron. It's weird to think that, but they really might have. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. There's a lot of weak links defensively for the Lakers. I watched this game from start to finish. There are a lot of weak links for the Lakers defensively. Basically everybody not named Austin Reeves, Stanley Johnson, or Avery Bradley. It's just like a massive negative on the defensive side lately. Some of them have done enough offensively to counterweight that. Melo's had a lot of games where he's done enough offensively. We've seen it from Malik Monk pretty consistently this year, actually. As a starter, he's very much a fantasy start. Russ has not, but he was better in this ballgame, maybe playing at one of his old spots. And LeBron has been, you know, he's, he's trying to direct traffic a bit, and as a center, he can lag back. But Alperin Sengun stepped out. He's beaten him with shots. Sengun had a big ball game against LeBron. I, I just I don't think this LeBron at center thing is going to work on a sore knee. It barely worked when he wasn't playing on a sore knee. Fantasy-wise, obviously, uh, your starts are the same here. Mello is a start. He was a little softer in this game, but he was fine. Still, still got the numbers you were looking for out of him. Just probably wanted maybe one, two more shots to go down. Malik Monk, when he starts, he's a start. The guy I want to point a finger at right now is Austin Reeves. He's starting to see his minutes trend up in a semi-meaningful way. And, I, you know, I, Anthony Davis is sort of a waiting in the wings somewhere. We might see him next week. It might be the week after that. But for Reeves, he had a two-game stretch back in middle of February where he played bigger minutes, and he really didn't do anything with it. Lately, the shots have started to go down, and that's been the big difference for him. Over the last three games, four games you could even, go 26-34, 27-33. So he's averaging 30 minutes a game over those four nights. Didn't have the shot going the first couple. He has had the shot going in their losses in San Antonio and Houston. Gets you some defensive plays. He's going to hustle. I'm not adding him yet. I don't think you need to. He's only 2% rostered, so he's pretty much going to be available everywhere. Uh, but he's trending the right way. And 
The Lakers need him because he's kind of the only guy playing hard out there. Most not. I mean, some of the Lakers played hard in this game against Houston. That's the truly sad part. Jalen Green, he's come on very strong lately. 32 career high for Jalen. Alperin Sengun filling in for Christian Wood at a big ball game. He'll disappear when Wood comes back. Kevin Porter Jr. nearly triple-doubled, kind of an inefficient one, but almost got there. And then filling in for Jayshon Tate, K.J. Martin had a big ball game. He's great when he's filling in. I only wish we could have known about some of these things sooner. The Wood and the Martin stuff, or the Wood and the, the Tate stuff, I guess I should say, those were pretty late pieces of information. That was like mid-afternoon yesterday. I'm not going to blow a move on that stuff because I'm guessing most of those guys are back. Houston has a bad schedule next week. They go Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Only two more this week, so you kind of can't do anything with it in head-to-head. And in Roto, you're too late. But Jalen Green has definitely turned that corner, so that's kind of the fun little tidbit there. It always happens for these guys right around the All-Star break. Same damn thing with, with Rooks. It always happens. Minnesota blew out Oklahoma City. No big surprises in this one uh, other than Shea having a bad ball game. So Aaron Wiggins got a bunch of extra stuff. But no, you're not taking the plunge there. Isaiah Roby's the guy you trust. I'm a little surprised that Pokashevsky didn't play more. He's fringy. We've been talking about that. He's right on the cusp. Every once in a while, has a game with the defensive stats. It's been averaging out to just about startable Ultimately, right now, Shea and Roby are kind of the only guys you can really trust on the Oklahoma City side. And then Baisley's kind of in and out. Poku's been in and out. Trey Mann, who didn't play, has been in and out. That opened the door for Aaron Wiggins to do a little bit more. Blech. D'Angelo Russell back. Anthony Edwards back. Pat Beverly out. Minnesota rotating through someone being hurt every game, and that's been a big boon for Malik Beasley. As soon as everybody's back, Beasley is no longer startable. He set a franchise record with 11 three-pointers here, which is a pretty good weapon to have off your bench, but once he's coming off the bench, you can't start him anymore. Sorry. That's just the way it is. Oh, no Jared Vanderbilt either, so Jaden McDaniels got the spot start. Minnesota's this... Right now, they're a revolving door of somebody playing and somebody not playing. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying your prizes from our partners. Hope you guys are enjoying the prizes from our partners. Uh, do I have any more left? Maybe. you just have to hit me up to find out on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. And while you're at it, check out our friends over at ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up. Hey, did you think LeBron was going to have a bad game in overtime against Houston? If you took an under on LeBron, you would have cashed a lot of points. That's a big points play on Thrive Fantasy. If you thought Russ was going to go over and have a big game, that's a big-time point play. So there's, I mean, that's the cool stuff about Thrive, is you don't, I've said this a bunch of times, but I hope it's really sinking in. Like, if you're looking at that Lakers-Rockets game, you don't have to know what Garrison Matthews is going to do. You got to know what LeBron's going to do, what Russ, what Jalen Green, guys like that. Are these guys going to have big or small games? Pick 10 out of 20. Rack up points based on which direction you go and whether or not it hits. And if you're in the top grouping of points at the end of the day, you cash a ticket. It's DFS with a prop twist at ThriveFantasy.com, the Thrive Fantasy app available all app stores that you can find it, Apple and iTunes and Android, I should say. And with our promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, 
not only do you get the 100% deposit match bonus that's available with a lot of promo codes at Thrive Fantasy right now, our special code, Ethos, gets you those two $20 contest entry tickets. That's a big difference and why you must use our promo code when, not if, when you sign up at thrivefantasy.com. Go have some fun with them. I promise you will not regret it. And hit me up if you want that prize. Hey, I don't know. Maybe it's a no-risk thing. Just throwing it out there. No Brandon Ingram for at least a week on the New Orleans side, which is a massive pisser. This is a team that I think, you know, if he could play, he'd be playing. Because the Pels are the 10 seed. They're only a game up on the Blazers. Luckily, everyone from 8 through 14 is gone fully into the crapper. Poor Minnesota. All they want to do is get out of that play-in bunch, and they can't do it because the Nuggets keep winning two. But the Clippers, the Lakers, the Pels, the Blazers, I mean, these what a disaster going on down there. Eight through everything. Absolute disaster. Lakers are nine games under five hundred now. Really, they're lucky. So are the Pelicans. They're lucky the Blazers are in tank mode. And the Spurs kind of don't really care all that much. The Kings are trying. That's the really sad story here. In addition to the Lakers, the Kings, they're trying. And they're behind the Blazers and Spurs. Ugh. What a mess. Anyway, so for the Pelicans' sake, they're a little fortunate because the team that's that would be trying to catch them sort of isn't trying to catch them. And it is lucky because the Pels are bad without Brandon Ingram. We've seen this all season long. They're a hard fade when B.I.'s out. Previously, when Ingram has been on the shelf, Devontae Graham's been the guy to step up, but that was before they brought in C.J. McCollum, who's just going to be doing all the stuff. And he had a big game. Jonas Valanciunas had a huge game, 30-15. and 15. I don't think, you know, Devontae Graham did get 11 shots at least. He was a little better than when Ingram is in there. And there's... I would say if the Pels had a better schedule coming up, that would be a stream moment, but they don't have anything good going on. This was kind of, this was it. This was the back-to-back for them. You missed it. We didn't know this was going to be the case, but you missed it. And on the Orlando side, Jalen Suggs came back and was horrible, which I guess is good news because Cole Anthony was actually decent. Mo Bamba was decent. Limited minutes. Franz Wagner, decent. There's a lot of decency Where's the decency in this world, you might ask? I'll tell you, the fantasy lines for the Orlando Magic were decent. I'm very curious to know what's going on with Jalen Suggs. It's possible that he ends up as a drop in all formats if something if he's trying to play through something right now. That would end up being good news for Cole Anthony, but then you've still got Markel Fultz waiting in the wings. That's that's a trouble spot. Hold on Chumo Kiki. Played 28 minutes, just didn't get the defensive stats in this one. Those, I mean, we always kind of knew they were going to level off a little bit, but he's still very good at that stuff. So stick with it for now. Milwaukee beat Atlanta. Bucks are starting to look like they care a little bit more down the stretch. Maybe, I don't know. They've won six games in a row, kind of quietly creeping up on the heat. They passed the Sixers for the second best record in the Eastern Conference. This is the, like, okay, stretch run time. It's time to wake up after floating through the regular season a bit. They're no longer floating. The Bucks are now starting to take aim at folks. They're doing it mostly with offense. They're awfully good at that end of the floor. And for Atlanta, I don't know, man. Starters just got obliterated here. Clint Capella was in foul trouble. John Collins just wasn't very good. They went to different lineups to see what might stick. Other guys got him back in the ballgame. Gallo was decent. 
Herder was decent. Hunter was decent. Trey Young, he's a start. I'm starting Bogdan Bogdanovich every game. He was good, like, ish here. Just inefficient. The other stuff was all right where you needed it to be. Capella missed a bunch of free throws, or this actually would have been an okay game for him. You kind of have to continue to start him, and I think the same story with Collins, who just didn't have it. Atlanta's got bad mojo this year. They're the 10 seed. They're lucky, too. The Wizards are, have totally fallen apart. The Knicks are the team that's trying to chase him down. Knicks three and a half games out of a playoff spot right now. It'll be, it'll be a leap. They're trying. They're playing better. More Emmanuel quickly, but we'll get to that ball game. Toronto got Freddie Van Vliet back, and then everything just fell back into place. Gary Trent was still somewhat inefficient, but back in his usual role. Pascal Siakam was in his usual role. Freddie Van Vliet did his thing. Not much in the way of passing for Toronto in this game. Only 12 assists, and they won. I know. DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertle, all good. Devin Vassell struggled, and he has struggled a little bit here since getting this larger role. He's not he's not a must-start guy, although the Spurs have a good schedule coming up here. They've got the back-to-back Friday, Saturday. We'll talk about that a little bit during our streaming stuff. That's part of a three and four and a four-game week next week. So they go six times over 10 days. Not great, but so not I don't think would be the right time to drop a Spur. I don't know that you have to necessarily add one, but I don't think this is the time to rotate off of one. And over on the Toronto side, Chris Boucher disappeared. Freddie Van Vliet took his minute. Said, I mean, we knew this was going to be the case. We said it on Twitter. We said it on the podcast. It's still funny to me that Freddie Van Vliet, who's like probably 5'10 with heels on, played 34 minutes and basically took like 24 of those from Chris Boucher in the last. I know it's not that one-to-one type of thing, but that's basically what happened. NBA's silly these days, guys. There are no positions anymore. So, yeah, move on from anybody on Toronto who's not playing at this point. Freddie Van Fleet's back in. That's great. And uh, no real changes on the Spurs side. Knicks blew out the Mavericks. It's pretty weird. Luka, the only Mav to show up for this ballgame. Reggie Bullock now is officially a drop. He's, his heater has worn out. Jalen Brunson is actually dangerously close to a drop. Spencer Dinwiddie... Same kind of story. I do worry that when all of those guys are together, they're in trouble. But at the same time, they were just horrible in this game. So probably throw it out. And then we'll reassess on the next one. But that's a trouble spot now. There's kind of too many. We need one guy out on Dallas for all of this to work. And on the Knicks side, Evan Fournier lost playing time here to Emmanuel Quickly, who now has actually... Kind of revved up his minutes a bit over the last, what would you call it, four games? Five, six games, if you want to stretch it all the way back to their loss. I mean, it's basically since the All-Star break, outside of the first game out of the break, he only played 17 minutes against Miami. Then it went up to 26, 20, 27, 28, 31, 31. And the Knicks have won three games in a row. And Quickly's been pretty good. In basically six games straight, he doesn't do much defensively. He's had exactly one steal in each of those games, which means that's about as good as it's going to get there. He's his his roster ship has skyrocketed over the last day. That twenty seven point outburst in Sacramento was the thing that kind of pushed it over the edge. Uh, and he's worth a stream at the moment just to kind of see how long it goes. If he cools off, you know Thibodeau is going to yank him around, and Fournier would see the minutes, and then McBride might see some more minutes. 
Right now, Mitchell Robinson is a go. He played through an illness here and was actually pretty good. Uh, Alec Burks has finally kind of figured things out in the starting lineup. Randall's playing a little better quickly. Yeah, R.J. Barrett, a bit more points leaguey. We've talked about that plenty of times. And Fournier's cooled off after his... I mean, he had like a six-week six week heater, but he's still back at 155 overall on the season. His hot stretch ran out right around the All-Star break as well. Kind of came out hot, but then has not been very good for the last five games in a row or so. Uh, not a guy that absolutely positively needs to be started every ball game. You can if you want, like if you just value the the leisure element, the consistency of it. That's fine. You can do that. You don't have to, but you can't. Nikola Jokic is nuts. That's all I have to say about the Denver side. Nikola Jokic is nuts. Uh, Demonis Sabonis suspended for a game for bumping an official. Alex Len got the start, but we all kind of knew Damian Jones was going to be the guy that got to pick up more of the pieces. Trey Lyle saw a little extra playing time also. Dante DiVincenzo someone we've been keeping one eye on, and he was terrible. And, that, I mean, this is all you need to see there. Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, Demonis Sabonis. That's it. It's all you can do with the Kings. It's the same story. Same story as it was before. And Denver, of course, they're starting this this back-to-back. They're the one team that had the back-to-back. So whatever you picked up, hopefully you got some small nibble out of it. When Jeff Green was listed as out, you probably could have gone with Jamichael Green. Not that that panned out all that well. Nikola Jokic versus the world. Sometimes, and sometimes he's enough. So Portland-Utah wasn't a particularly close ball game. I'm not going to read much into the Utah side. I do kind of want to read into the Portland side, if only because you can look at it and say, okay, well, who still actually got to play even in this disaster of a ball game? And the answer was Josh Hart still played a bunch. And it'd be easier to move on from him because... This team's so terrible that he just can't get an open look right now. But you kind of have to stick with Hart in most formats. Keon Johnson seems to have one of the more interesting fantasy stat sets on the team. Drew Eubanks is your back-end center guy. And then Brandon Williams was the guy we figured would take a whole bunch of shots with Anthony Simons out. And, you know, he got shots. You, you also kind of need to make some of them. And they just, and he didn't. And that stinks because Portland's now off for a couple of days. Um... They don't play until Saturday. They host Washington. They got a four-game week next week. Uh, it's a tough one to game out, you know, because Simons might be back by then. At which point, you're not going to start Brandon Williams if that's going on. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You start any of these guys. If Simons is back. It's Simons and Hart, probably. So I don't know that I would add any Blazers. It's 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 true troubling. The schedule is too troubling, especially if you're going to go down by 50 points in a ballgame. So Owl Neto did not end up needing to miss any time. He came back and was the starting point guard and was better than Ish Smith in uh, Washington's game in Los Angeles. So that eliminates that. I still think KCP is probably worth starting. Uh, with Kristaps Porzingis having his minutes very closely monitored, that means you might still be able to squeeze some stuff out of Daniel Gafford who was decent in this ballgame. That makes more sense to me in a head-to-head situation because we've talked about it before. Washington's actually one of those teams you really want to start looking at tomorrow 
for their six games and nine nights situation. But we'll talk about that when we get to the streaming grid. But Washington tomorrow is a club where you can add a whole bunch of guys. Gafford's going to get some big minutes in the games where KP sits because there'll be two of them in that stretch. KCP's doing a bunch. Neto, Smith, like all of these guys are startable in a head-to-head six games in nine nights scenario. Maybe not Corey Kispert. Maybe not Denny Avdia because he's totally fallen back into sort of very quiet old habits. But you can make a case for most of the other dudes on that team because of how many games they're playing. If you're in a roto situation, you really need the games to count. You can go Porzingis. You can go KCP. You can go Kuzma. And Porzingis sits, you could probably go Gafford on the roto side as well. And with the Clippers, if you knew the night that Marcus Morris was going to blow up, congratulations. But this is why the 5-7 and seven was a good thing for the Clips. Now, they started their 5-7 and seven yesterday. So they're off. Then they'll go again Friday. Then they go Sunday, Monday. And so this is why guys like Luke Kennard were worth picking up for that stretch. Nick Batum. Marcus Morris. In addition to the guys we've already talked about, like Reggie Jackson. He's been startable for a while. If it's a Zubots, Terrence Mann. We didn't have his stroke going here. But those are the guys that have been startable anyway. Rob Covington, too. He's been out for a couple of games with personal stuff. But then you get five and seven. You know, when some guy goes down, Covington goes down, the five and seven gets even better for a guy like Morris or Kennard or whatever because there's just a little bit more there. Five games and seven nights is basically unbeatable by other dudes on the waiver wire. They might have four games in seven nights, but they're going to be a lot better than someone with an extra game. The magic of mathematics, ladies and gentlemen, math magics. That's why you lean that way. Hartenstein, too. I know this wasn't his, his biggest performance, but when you go that often, there you go. Rapid-fire promos for our partners. Manscaped, promo code is ethos20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball is the, lo- is the link. Specialty URL. ExpressVPN.com slash hoopball to get 15 months for the price of 12, bonus three months on your annual VPN membership. And mybookie.ag, promo code there is hoopball. That's on the third page of sign-up. I've done that a number of times for friends and family over here. Uh, so I know exactly where that goes. And again, th- some of this stuff is prize-related, so please do bug me on social, at Dan Vaspers, if you're interested in uh, checking out maybe some of the goodies we have over here. So that's the rapid fire on that one. I want to jump straight ahead into the streaming stuff. We've already talked about Thursday on yesterday's show, and I love to recap it, but there isn't much to recap. There is not a single team that goes back-to-back starting today. The Nuggets were the only team that had any kind of back-to-back attached to a Thursday, and that was the, the front end, the before, BT, before Thursday. The teams that play today, Brooklyn, they're off for two days. Denver, they've got one more game the rest of the week after today. Golden State, one more game the rest of the week after today. Sixers are off until Sunday. You don't want to partake of those teams. I know they're playing on a quieter day. Thursday's the low tide day of the week. And that's useful when we talked a little bit on yesterday's show about the overload element. But today's just not a day for roster moves unless someone got hurt. Unless someone on your team, you found out, and I can't think of an example of this off the top of my head, but if someone on your team got ruled out for two games or something, fine. You want to make a move today? You can make a move today. I just, like, there are plenty of teams that go tomorrow 
and also still have one more game this week, that the only reason to really go today is if you had a move to burn. But if you're in the playoffs, like you shouldn't have moves to burn. You should have you should have basically a plan and then a backup plan based on how many of your guys get hurt in a given week. Here's what I want to do for my long streaming, but here's what I will do if I have to abandon ship on somebody who tweaks an ankle and is set to miss 10 days. You shouldn't have moves to burn. Like, oh, I ended up with three moves on Sunday, but I only needed one. Nah, that shouldn't be part of your plan. Certainly not that pivotal. So that's why I think we need to look at tomorrow. Starting on Friday, you've got all kinds of options. The Cavaliers and the Wizards being at the absolute top of that list. Because the Cavs and the Wizards each, tomorrow, start a stretch of six games in nine nights. It's not five and seven. Nothing's five and seven. Obviously, the highest percentage of games is a back-to-back, but you just don't have enough moves to do that every single day. You can't make a move every two days and expect to actually maximize the number of games played. Basically, the best you can do in that situation is to turn someone turn one roster slot on your team into a seven-game roster slot, which means that every move you make might add one, and it's possible that one move you make doesn't even add an extra game over the course of a week, over what it was before. Like, if your guy had a four-game week and you use all four moves to turn it into a seven-game week, four moves to add three games, someone effectively long-streaming is going to obliterate you. Long-streaming, we're aiming to add two games over whatever stretch you're holding on to a guy. And that's something you can do pretty easily when you talk about a team playing six times in nine nights. Because there are quite a few teams that only go four times in those same nine nights. Like most of the NBA, okay, not most, uh, Brooklyn goes four times over the next nine days. Boston, four times over the next nine days. Charlotte, four times over the like, I could go on like this. So if you had someone on one of those teams and you moved to a Cavalier, you gained two games over nine days. You just added two games to your ledger with one roster move. Denver actually only has four games over those nine days. It's in the middle. Their four games are actually over seven days in the middle of it all, but we're counting the front and back end as well. So this is why the long stream works, because one roster move can sometimes add two games. I mean, that's really kind of your best case scenario, especially over that length of time. But if you're doing that, Four moves a week, you're aiming to add eight games to your ledger over whatever length of time this is going to be. This is how you can stream three or more slots with only four moves in a week. The reason you can't go higher, like, Dan, that's nine days. You could actually just do that less than once a week. Yeah, someone's going to get hurt on your team. Like, you need to have roster moves for other stuff. Washington, same exact situation. Two, they go back-to-back, and then it goes off-game, off-game, off, and then another back-to-back. And Washington actually has a pretty damn good schedule in there. Lakers, Blazers, Nuggets. Lakers again mixed up in those six games. Some high-scoring potential affairs. Cavs have Miami, Chicago, Clippers, Philly, Denver, Detroit. Maybe not quite as juicy. Regardless, pretty damn juicy. So those are long-stream possibilities. There's also slightly shorter ones if you wanted to do it that way. For instance, Minnesota. Back-to-back Friday, Saturday, they do play again on Monday of next week, and then it's probably time to move on 
Or you could ride them as far as Wednesday of next week. That's probably as long as you go. Spurs. Same general idea, although you could wait through the entirety of next week. That would be six games over 10 days. Not my favorite. Toronto, also six games over 10. Utah, six games over 10. So, what did we just come up with? Well, a bunch of teams that go back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Why is that more important than a team like, say, Phoenix? Although, by the way, you should have had a son on your team from Tuesday. That was a team that goes six in nine days from this most recent Tuesday. But, okay, so let's pick a different example. Why is that better than a team like Orlando that goes Friday, Sunday? Well, because, because we've been long streaming, you should probably have a move left on Sunday if you wanted to switch. And if the guy you just picked up in a long stream goes Friday, Saturday, and you get to Sunday and you're like, damn, like I'm really close in blocks. I don't trust that I'm going to win blocks this week. You can take a look at the board and you could say, okay, Atlanta goes Sunday, Monday. Clippers go Sunday, Monday. Lakers are actually starting a five games and seven nights stretch starting on Sunday. They're a terrific team to pick up at that point. Oklahoma City goes five times in eight days starting on Sunday. Philadelphia, same general idea. So this is why it's important to have the long stream, to have the Friday pickup as a back-to-back. That could also have that longer flexibility because you could switch it up on Sunday anyway. Ultimately, I think the one... The one prevailing thing here is the reason we like the flexibility, frankly, is that when you make these long stream moves, you're looking for moves that add at least one game to your, really the next seven days of that particular roster spot, provided you have another week of playoffs coming up. Like if, if this is your finals, obviously you don't have to worry that far down the line. You're making all your moves to be done, done on Sunday. But if your playoffs keep going next week or even start next week, the moves you're making, you have to have the long game. So we were talking about how, like, there are a lot of teams that have four games starting tomorrow over the following, or even today, I don't care, starting tomorrow over the next nine days. Four games over nine days. You make one move in that roster slot. You turn that slot into a six-game in nine-day slot with Washington or Cleveland. That's one move, two bonus games. Yes, it does happen over the stretch of two different fantasy gaming periods this week and next week. But you don't have to do another move in that slot. Don't worry too much about, like, how many games each slot turns out to be. Just know that anytime you make a move over the next week of that slot, you've got to make sure you're gaining at least one game and aim for two. It's not easy. But it's doable. Lakers on Sunday, for instance. And we'll talk more about this on on tomorrow's podcast. We do the weekend and the next week preview. But using Lakers Sunday through Saturday, five games in seven days. There are a lot of teams that only have three games Sunday through the following Saturday. Houston has three games. Golden State has two Sunday through the following Saturday. Not that you're going to have... a warrior on your team at that point. But let's say like you, you picked up a warrior earlier in the week for the Monday-Tuesday stream, you ended up holding them all the way through Saturday, you make a move from a Warrior to a Laker on Sunday, you gain, you gain two games over seven days. That's amazing. You can't do that with every move. Not every move you make is going to have that incredible jump of a two-game bounce. But think about that in your mind. Think about if you could. 
think about if you could use your four weekly moves to add eight games to your ledger over some stretch of time. And it'll all balance out because you long streamed the previous week to add games to this week. You'll long stream this week to add games in the next week as well. I know you're thinking those eight games, they don't all go into this same week. But if you do this every week over the course of, you know, bleep it, a whole season even, if you're consistently doing it, you're adding between four and eight games to your ledger every single week. And because of that flexibility, we still have, I hope, by the time we get to tomorrow's podcast, you have a move or two left in case someone gets hurt. Also a very big picture item. Small card tonight. Enjoy the short one. Pretty much relax. There's not a whole lot going on, even from a look-ahead standpoint. Back tomorrow, we'll recap the short Tuesday card, or Thursday card, excuse me, and then the weekend into next week. Big long streaming guide coming up on tomorrow's podcast. That one will carry you through into the weekend. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Hey, please, please drop a review on the show if you haven't already. I beg of you guys. I'm begging of you here at the end of the show. Please, want to get to 775. I want it bad. And I think we can get there without me, like, hunting you down one by one. But I'll do it if I have to. I kid. Hugs and kisses to all of you. Tomorrow's show, uh, I'll try to get it out a little bit earlier. We'll see. We'll see. Time is fleeting. I am Dan Baspers, at Dan Baspers on Twitter. I'll talk to you guys over on social media. And then again here tomorrow. So long, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.